This is The Law School Show. Discovering the person behind the resume. Bringing you their stories and their tips on how to succeed in your legal career. Catch it all here, right now, on The Law School Show. Welcome to part two of our interview with Brittany Twist. Brittany is the executive director for Canadian Lawyers Abroad. And in part two, she covers off a wide range of uh, topics, including the internship program and a new uh, legal education program called Dare to Dream. She also talks about generally working internationally, what it entails, the opportunities in the UN, and anything else you may have questions about in that field. It was a really informative interview and just a great perspective on the organization as a whole. Check it out. Uh, hi guys, I'm Brittany Twist. I'm the Executive Director of Canadian Lawyers Abroad, Avocats Canadian à l'étranger, which is a non-profit charitable organization based out of the University of Ottawa, and um, I work from Toronto remotely. So, uh, Canadian Lawyers Abroad, tell us all about it. Sure. So CLA was created by Catherine McKenna and Yasmin Shaker in 2004. It was incorporated in 2005. Uh, I like to describe it as a catalyst for positive social change. Uh, through in education and engagement, we are cre increasing access to justice for marginalized populations worldwide and enabling law students and lawyers to use their legal training to make a difference. We have three major programs. Our newest program is called the Dare to Dream program. I'm not sure if you've heard of that, but it is a justice education and mentorship program for First Nations, Métis, and Inuit youth aged 11 to 14 in Canada. So, uh, actually, Dare Dream is now in operation in Toronto, Ottawa, Saskatoon, Calgary, and the Siksika Nation, which is fantastic. It started in Toronto in 2012. Um, essentially, we are trying to positively transform the way Aboriginal youth perceive and engage with the justice system. We have a group of lawyers, volunteer lawyers and law students in each program location that volunteer their time to go into the schools for about an hour and a half every two weeks and engage the youth in mentorship and, and justice education and really just to you know break down barriers and, and build relationships with the youth uh, with the hope that you know we'll provide them with valuable education about the legal system which will then inform their choices and their behavior going forward um, but also to hopefully inspire some of them to, per, to pursue a career in law. That's our newest program. The other two programs you probably have heard more about because they are law student focused programs. We have our National Student Chapter Program, which is at 15 law schools across Canada, where we educate and engage law students on pressing social justice issues. For example, this year, our focus has been on refugee rights. And uh, so through that program, we hold a conference in Ottawa in the fall, where we bring in the student chapter president from each school to Ottawa for a two-day intensive conference on the theme. Uh, we actually had some, some great speakers here in the fall, including Alex Neve and Professor Jennifer Bond, Professor LaViolette from your school here, uh, and some others. It was, it was a great conference. And then the idea is that the students go back to their chapters, to their schools, and with the help of their clubs, raise awareness about the issue throughout the school year. Our other program is the International Student Internship Program. So we enhance the capacity of international and indigenous human rights organizations and we're providing law students with learning experiences beyond the classroom. 
this program has been going ongoing since 2005. I think we've placed about over 125 students uh, to date. I think it's yeah, 35 organizations in 10 countries, which is pretty cool considering that we're still a pretty grassroots organization, uh, small organization but large reach. This summer we have t over 20 students being placed in Kenya, Ghana, Namibia, Thailand, India, Bangladesh, Alaska, DC, and with Indigenous organizations throughout Canada. That is my overview of Canadian Lawyers Abroad. Why would you recommend somebody to work abroad as a law student or a lawyer? My answer to that would be kind of why not. Um, <laughs> it's very interesting work, uh, very interesting opportunities and enriching cultural experiences. Uh, but I would also say that you know there's lots of very important and meaningful social justice or human, human rights work to be done in Canada as well. What did you enjoy the most when you worked abroad? I'm trying to think about what I enjoyed most. I think for me, so I'm going to start fresh and answer your question. Um, working abroad through Canadian Lawyers Abroad in Thailand for ECPAT, I think, you know, while Southeast Asia is amazing, the main draw for me was that the organization was combating the commercial sexual exploitation of children. So um, that was a really neat opportunity because I was combining my previous work in undergrad and volunteering with youth and empowering youth with my like newly found legal skills in my first year of law, after my first year of law school. So uh, for me it was like an eye-opener where, okay, thank God I went to law school because this is, this is what I wanted to do, but it wasn't until that moment that I felt really confident that I had made the right decision to go to law school. So yeah, the best part for me was, was seeing like how I was going to be able to use my law degree in practice to benefit uh, vulnerable populations. Specifically, what kind of work did you do while there? Um, that's a good question. So I did advocacy, mainly like legal and policy, I guess legal and policy advocacy. I was doing, um, I was drafting reports. One of the things I was doing was drafting a report on Singapore's online prostitution laws and the loopholes in their legislation that was enabling people to to get away with those kind of crimes. Uh, in other cases I was drafting reports summarizing and, and critiquing various countries child protection laws whether it be human trafficking, online pornography and prostitution. Wow. I probably could describe my work there better, but it's been a really long time since I've thought about the details. But it was, um, yeah, it was a pretty neat experience. My our findings were being submitted to the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, and um, one of the other cool things I did at, at ECPAT was I was involved in their international campaign with the Body Shop. So the Body Shop was rolling out a, like a promotional campaign of raising awareness about the trafficking of children, and so it was really neat actually because I spent my summer. On kind of on top of my regular work, I had joined this project. I spent my summer um, doing country reports on their laws in this area. And then when I left ECPAT, I, for the next two years, I could walk into a body shop anywhere in the world and see our work product, which was pretty cool. Hmm. Working abroad outside of the student context, outside of what CLA does, mm -hmm. um, what's your familiarity, I guess, with Canadian lawyers working abroad in these different arenas? And where, are they, where do they work and what fields? Uh, using this international experience, where do they go? I think it's less common that students graduate from school and go straight out to the field than it would be for them to get 
experience with a local NGO and then potentially move on from there. But what I will say is I think that Canadian law students are viewed as being very competent. So like some, unlike some of the other Commonwealth countries, a law degree is a second degree here, right? So you've done an undergrad at least a couple of years, then gone to law school. Uh, it's all very competitive, so I think candidates tend to be, you know, quite impressive. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I can't say for sure, you know, where students, like, a good concrete example of where they go, but I know that there's a high number of Canadians in the UN. Like, I know that Canadians are attractive to the UN for probably because of the languages as well, but because they're skillful employees. Yeah, I don't have a great answer for that question, sorry. What I've heard actually is like the UN is saturated with Canadians. We don't have a JPO program in Canada. The government doesn't support their junior professional officer program, which is the gateway to the UN for most countries. But I think my guess is because there's so many Canadians are working in the UN already. Like I don't, I, I'm not sure, but I know that um, it's being viewed upon as difficult for for Canadians to get into the UN, more difficult than it used to be. I wonder how they get in then. Yeah, a better way for me to answer your question is to talk about, like, I do have examples of students who went through CLA's internship program and what they've gone on to do, but there is one example of a, of a person named Andrew Harrington who I'm still in contact with who did a internship with the UNDP and Timor-Leste. And because I think he was, you know, um, high achieving, really motivated. He he did ex extremely well during his internship, stayed in touch, made tons of contacts while he was there, and when he finished law school, went back. And I think either during the summer, his last summer during law school or after law school, he went back before he even had a job, but thought like, this is, I know this is where I wanna go, uh, traveled back to Timor-Leste, and then worked his contacts until he was able to find, a I think, a consultancy position and he now works for the International Development Law Organization in The Hague. Um, other examples, you know, some of our students go on to just work at national law firms, not just to work at Canadian national law firms like Gowling's. Um, one of our students is at the Federal Crown, Crown Prosecutor in Saskatchewan. One of them is at MAG here in Ottawa. Another student, uh, Miriam, is at the Criminal Justice, she's a Criminal Justice Program Officer uh, the International Center for Transitional Justice in Goma, Democratic Republic of the Congo. So, you know, there are jobs, but I'm not sure. Some of these people, you know, had their internships and then really committed to staying in this international atmosphere. And, and maybe there's like, you know, there are some risks with that. For example, going to the location um, before you even have a job. Um, so chancing that you may or may not get something. Others have found, you know, very meaningful work in Canada. I guess it, it's what you're reiterating through your examples is that go-getting sort of nature, right? Like that high-achieving, motivated, you know, you will succeed. You know, there are opportunities. Like anything in life, you're going to have to, like, carve your own path, right? And I think that's maybe the message that I got out of that. Yeah, that yeah. The market is not out there for you to just walk into. It almost seems like you have to participate a little bit more in creating your own opportunities. I think that's true. Again, it's like the road less traveled. It's probably it's going to be very competitive. You know, like the another like the example is the UN. It's extremely competitive to get those kind of jobs. I think, you know, I've heard the numbers are quite high. A job is posted with the UN, and they get five thousand applications. For example, that can be very intimidating. But, um, you know, I apply for I or at least I used to apply for jobs all the time. 
you know, and, and like even during law school, I would apply for things I wasn't qualified for yet. And, and in the end, you know, I got jobs, but I didn't get every job I applied for. So I would recommend that students just like, you know, really put themselves out there. And if, you know, if they are looking for something abroad, one option is to just get yourself to the location that you want to be at, like working in and, you know, start knocking on doors. I think it's a lot easier for people to say, no to a cold email than to someone walking into their office and asking for a job. Um, that's You obviously have to be in a certain kind of position to be able to do that, to just not be working and go travel somewhere. Yeah. Um, but it's possible. And I've heard there's a rumor that students are being told these days that there's no international jobs, uh, international law jobs out there. I would say for sure don't listen to that, but be prepared to really work for work for the job and again it's like about the long game like maybe when you graduate you'll be working at an NGO in Canada but mm-hmm. stay involved with the other organizations that do do work abroad or you know if you're at a large law firm really try to edge out time to be volunteering in organizations like either like CLA or like MSC International the CCIJ you know make time for that because again you know you never know in five years what kind of positions may open up from past uh, interns that you've had, or program participants, are there any interesting stories that you have that we could share from their experiences? Yeah, I mean, there are definitely lots of memorable stories, actually. I think, you know, from our internship experiences, the most, the greatest thing to hear, and this is more like in general terms, is that they've just really shaped their career path and that they were life-changing experiences. Uh, we do hear that quite often from students who participate in our summer internship program, and that's great. And I can relate to that because, as I mentioned before, it did have a really big impact on me um, at a time where I really wasn't enjoying law school and really felt like, you know, maybe I had uh, missed the mark. But that experience kind of reaffirmed my interests and allowed me to, you know, gain the motivation again to get through law school and move on. But uh, so that's definitely one of them through our internship program. Also through our student chapter program with the focus this year being on refugee issues, I mentioned the conference that we had in the fall and we were really lucky to have, you know, standout kind of speakers come to that. But I had students say to me, you know, that they probably never would have been exposed to that area of law had they not come to the the conference and how it really opened their eyes to that, which is really encouraging for me because... You know, maybe these students will go back and they'll go work at national law firms, they'll do whatever, corporate law, family law, whatever it is, but they have at least been exposed to the kind of positive things that they can do in their legal career. And my hope is that, you know, great for them, go work at a big firm, you know, have that lifestyle, that's great, but hopefully they'll find time to stay involved and do something good with their law degree on the side uh, or something that they find meaningful and that gives back to their community. And then I would say uh, our Dare to Dream program is another one that I hear a lot of memorable and, you know, inspirational uh, feedback about. So, again, through that program, we're working directly with First Nations, Metis, and Inuit youth uh, throughout Canada. And we're not only providing lawyers and law students with opportunities to use their law degree to, you know, make a positive difference, but we're like participating, I think, in a process of reconciliation and, and bridging the gap between you know, the legal profession, professional lawyers, law students, or just the justice system in general, which can feel quite alienating. And a subgroup of our, you know, of youth, Aboriginal youth, that um, I think would really benefit from having a positive experience with the justice system and and learning that lawyers are just people too and, and that, you know, we want to see them succeed and we believe that they can become lawyers and, 
And, and I think that's going to be so important going forward, obviously, in Canada, right? The more uh, we can diversify the bars, the better. Obviously, Dare to Dream is like a big new initiative. Are there any other things you see on the horizon for the organization that... Yeah, there are some, some there are some exciting things coming for CLA. Actually, it's it's been a really it's been a really interesting time for me to join in this role. But um, my board is is fantastic, and and there was a recognition when I started that some things need to be shaken up a little bit. So we actually are rebranding our organization, which is a monster of a project. Fortunately, we have a marketing company in Toronto called the Traffic Group that have come on um, pro bono to help us through that process, which is immensely beneficial to us. Um, so we're rebranding, you know, part of that's going to be strap planning as well and having a look at our, our programs and, and, you know, critically assessing our, our mission and our objectives and trying to, you know, just consider them and think about if there's ways to improve them or if our, because our mandate has changed a little bit since CLA was established, right? I mean, we're called Canadian Lawyers Abroad and part of what I've talked to you about today is our program in Canada um, dealing with Aboriginal communities. And so, it's just, I think, CLA outgrew its name, which is not a horrible problem to have. It, you know, it's, it's tricky because it's hard when you, you know, you're, you're accustomed to a certain name. We've been running now for 10 years, but our board, you know, really feels that it's time to, uh, to adapt and move on. So with the rebranding will come, you know, new websites, new program materials. So all of that is very exciting. But in terms of our programs... There'll be some rejigging, I think, and some rethinking about how certain things are run. But for now, those will be our, our three major programs with Dare to Dream kind of continuing to strategically expand throughout Canada. Great. And where can we find more info? Yeah, absolutely. You can find more info on our website, www.cla-ace.ca. If you like what you just heard and you would like to hear more, subscribe to the Law School Show on iTunes or anywhere else podcasts are available. If you would like to interact with us, learn more about our past guests, check out the blog, video, and more, go to the Law School Show.